February, everyone. We are back with a new episode of Creative Native. I'm really excited um, to have with us today Tito Saltes from the Pine Ridge Reservation, and he is currently a junior at the University of New Mexico, and he is a football player um, for the university team. So um, I've known Tito for a couple of years now and know about kind of all the great things he's doing, so I was really excited to kind of share a little bit of that with you guys today. So enjoy our little chat. We talk a, talk a little football, of course. So we got the Super Bowl that just ended last night. So I know we had to touch on that and all that good stuff. So um, give it a listen. Let us know who you'd like to hear from next. Shiki? Just to start with, so obviously you're a football player at University of New Mexico. Um, yep. Last night was a Super Bowl. Did you watch? Were you interested? I did watch. Yeah. It was a little... Uh... A little lackluster for me, but <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I did watch it. Yeah. So, did you have any rooting interest, or were you just kind of watching for for the? Um. Well, neither, my team's Green Bay, so. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah, my team's Green Bay, but uh, I was I was going for the Rams last night. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, I mean, you know, the Patriots. There's. I, I was tired of seeing them in the Super Bowl so much, but. <laughs> Um, I can't, I can't deny how great they are. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of impossible to deny that it's, it's just evidence, right? Um, do, so how did you become a fan of Green Bay? I don't know. I think, well, actually my, my family, my, uh, father, I remember growing up, he had a poster hanging up in my room, um, and it was a it was a Green Bay player. It was I think it was Brett Favre. Yeah. It was autographed. No and way. It always, it always hung in my it always hung in my room. And I never asked where he got it or how he got it. Um, and then I have a some of my close uncles. They were all Green Bay fans, and it just kind of just kind of just kind of became a Green Bay fan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So kind of thinking about that, like, can you kind of describe for people who don't know? Like where you grew up and what uh, what that was like. Oh yeah, sure. Um, so I was born and raised on the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation, uh, located in South Dakota. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a very very beautiful place, and it's my home. And I love it. Um, but there are some 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 bad sides to it, especially that that gets shown in the media right. quite often. Right. Right. Uh, you know, there's a lot of alcoholism. It's very impoverished, um, a lot of teen suicide, just to name a few things. But, um, you know, like I said, that's my home and I love it there and I, I would, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't trade it for the world. Yeah. How big is the community? Like geographically and like people wise, how would you describe that? Yeah. So the, I, I believe our tribe, I'm Oglala Lakota uh-huh. or, uh, otherwise known as, uh, um, Sioux, Oglala Sioux. Yeah. And, uh, I think population-wise, we are the third biggest tribe, and but um, lat like you know, in South Dakota, we're we're the second largest reservation, mm-hmm. uh, and 
believe it's like 2.2 million square square miles square acres and um you know it's it's gorgeous yeah the the prairies we have we have mountains i mean we have it we have it all over there it's a beautiful place yeah, I think a lot gets lost for a lot of people. I, how, like, growing up there, like, did you know kind of how the, it was perceived to, the, like, more of the outside world? And, like, I know, like, I think it was probably about five years ago when, like, 2020 did that special with, like, Diane. Um, what Diane, what's her name? Uh, um, yeah, Diane Sawyer. And, like, it just the way it kind of, like, they like to call it, like, misery porn, you know? Like, it just kind of paint it that way was that obvious to you growing up or was that something you like kind of were kind of blind to well i mean growing up we obviously we're always aware of of our situation our surroundings right but when i was when i was growing up we didn't really have as as much media coverage Mm. so the uh the filming that they do now and all the documentaries i mean sure there's a few out there but it was never really you know national news and we didn't have film crews there all the time really it was just kind of i don't i don't remember when but there was one big documentary that they did on us and then it, everything just kind of kind of waterfalled after that yeah and that's when all, all the camera crews started coming in all the documentaries and then of course the work that me and my family do we, we uh we're part of the bear project or we, we founded the bear project in south dakota and it stands for be excited about reading yeah um, initially it was a literacy mentorship program and you know education based and would go around we had a, a library on wheels it was like an old school yeah yeah i love that yeah and we would take it around the reservation and we'll go to different communities and we would uh mentor not just the students i mean not just the kids but even the parents you know they right. a lot of the parents they couldn't couldn't read at, at a at like a fifth grade level or something. So we would go and work with families and help them in school. And then eventually a huge suicide epidemic hit in, in like the early to mid 2000s. And our platform kind of switched from literacy to life awareness to suicide prevention, mental health, you know, things, things of that nature. Um, the work that we did there, we started to get a lot of uh, a lot of recognition because we, we, we started at Pine Ridge, but we would we were invited all across the country to you know do do our performances that we do or to come in and um, educate other other students of, of you know suicide and life on the reservation, uh, substance abuse, domestic violence, um, you know, things so like great. that. And, and we also did a uh, training. We we would train staff of different schools to help to show them how to deal with that those things that are going on within their own schools. Yeah, how old were you then? Uh, I, I I've been a bear my whole life. Yeah, I believe it's even before I was born. So I, I've been a bear bear kid my whole life. That's so awesome though that you're going like as a youth, like to be a part of that is just like that's even more impactful. You know, it's it's hard for I think a lot of times if it's older people trying to create change with the youth. You know. Right. And that's and that's the that's the biggest thing for us is that everything that we do is it's youth led. Yeah. The adults the adults mentor us, but we're the ones talking to the kids. We're the ones that are teaching. We we even teach adults. You know, we're we're all we're all trained in uh, you know different suicide prevention techniques and all kinds of stuff like that. And we're all certified as as young people. Um, and so we go in and we help our we help our peers. 
we help we help everybody who needs help. So it's, yeah, it's a special, special thing. No, I think that's and I think that's something that our kind of culture values is like you don't have to like I think in like more modern Western culture, it's like, oh, if you're older, you're wiser kind of thing. But, and while we respect our elders, but we also see value in the youth too, you know? Right. Yeah. yeah. I feel like that's a big, a big thing. Yeah. So, um, so your parents, so were your parents, how, how you got involved in sport too? Yeah. Um, so I, I mean, I come from a, a very athletic family. Um, we've all, we've all been blessed with some, some, some skills and some uh, some things that helped us succeed. You know, my father is like six eight, so yeah. <laughs> that's that, that's pretty helpful for me, you know. But um, my my mother my mother played uh, Division one basketball and and Division one track and field. She uh, she went and trained for the Olympics, and she I mean she did she did all kinds of things. Nice. My father played at Weber State, yeah. and he played professional basketball. I have a a grandpa, which uh, I guess it, I guess in like the off, off, off the native, off, like the term for it is great or great uncle. There it is. Yeah, yeah. But you know, it's like in native in native culture, everybody's like either our auntie or our uncle. Yes. Or grandpa, grandpa, so. Yes, everyone's your auntie. Exactly. Yeah. And even like yeah. your cousin, even like even like your cousins are your aunties. Like it's it's great. Yeah, it's <laughs> But uh, my grandpa uh, is Billy Mills. He's the uh, the Olympic gold medalist for. 10,000 meter. That's so awesome. On my father's side, that played, he was an NBA all-star. So, like, I, you know, athleticism in my family is, it's always been there. But the surprising thing is my family never, never once forced athlete, uh, uh, sports on me, me and my brother. My, my older brother also played division basketball. They never forced any of that on us. And, you know, they, they actually, forced, they, they, they uh, encouraged me to go into music and to, to really, really hit the books hard and to you know, go, go to college. They didn't care if we went, went, went to school for, like, on scholarship or if we went academic, academic scholarship. So my, my parents, they never, despite being successful in athletics, they never forced any of that on us. Yeah, I was wondering if you felt kind of a lot of pressure with that. Because that's, um, that's a pretty deep pedigree, you know? Yeah. You know, not, they never really, they never really flaunted any of that towards us or you know I come from a very humble family so we never really talked about that all that stuff as much I mean we did talk about it but it was in a positive way to really help us or motivate me and my brother right but there's never really any pressure from my family and like in terms of trying to accomplish what they did they they pressure the pressure came uh, from outside outside people and wow your mom was amazing your father you know stuff like that Right. But, um, not really from my family. Yeah, yeah, I can see that for sure from the outside. So, um, when did you kind of hone in on football? Was it in high school or was it earlier on? Yeah, it was in high school. Um, like, so I come from a, a basketball family. I'm actually the first, the first football player in my family. Which is, right. Kind of, yeah. Great, it's, it's yeah. Cool. Um, the way the way I started out playing football was in high school. Um. Like I said, I, I did basketball my whole life. And so my junior year of high school, I was getting bored, you know, waiting for the upcoming season, basketball season. Right. And um, I figured I would try football out just just, just to, to take up some time, you know, for basketball to come. Um, and I never really had any 
ambitions to go into football or any any serious aspirations. You know, just I just want to have fun and mess around. Right. <clears throat> you know, my first game ever playing football, um, I come out and I get like three sacks. You know, the next game I get like two sacks, and it just keeps piling up. And it turns out I was actually pretty good at football, and out of nowhere, it's like you know, San Diego State started calling. Oregon started calling, and Texas A&M, and all these big-name schools started calling me and offering me scholarships. So I figured, well, I'd be I'd be stupid to turn down a you know, full, full-paid education. So yeah. I, I went. Yeah, yeah. And so how, did you – was there like a – was it a tough decision deciding on New Mexico, or how did, it, how did that work out? Did you build a relationship with the coaches there? Yeah, it, you know, initially, and I, I don't really talk – I never really told this too much to a lot of people, but um, initially New Mexico wasn't wasn't really an option for me. Yeah, because I didn't, you know, over some, when I, whenever I was uh, getting recruited, New Mexico didn't have the best reputation uh-huh. as far as like being in, things like that. Yeah, for the football program, and so I didn't really know anything about it. I just knew the reputation, right? Um, and it kind of, really, everything happened by like it was meant to happen. I was probably going to go to Iowa State because the defensive line coach there, who, uh, he, he coached Von Miller and a bunch of other like NFL superstars. He was recruiting me heavily, and I was going to go there just for him. And then Ooh. the coach there, you know, prior to signing day, ended up getting fired. And I don't know where. Somehow I get a call from his name's Dan Egan. He's a D line coach here now at UNM. And he calls me and says, "Hey, uh, I'm going to UNM." So I was like, "Oh, okay." Yeah. <laughs> ended up coming and coaching over here, and then um, another thing that happened was I was on a I I set a date for an official visit to go to uh, North Carolina. Yeah. And the week I was supposed to go there, there was a huge blizzard that that just hit the East Coast hard, and so my flight got canceled. And everything got canceled. Yeah. And um, Coach Bob Davey, the head coach at UNM, found out that my, my visit got canceled. And he, you know, he called me up and was like, hey, if you're not doing anything, come take a visit at UNM. So I, I, I guess I'm like, all right, I get So when I took my visit, I come to find out how, how incredible the program is and, you know, how successful they're starting to become. Um, and, you know, the, the equipment facilities and just everything that they had at UNM was it was, it was really impressive because I, I didn't I didn't think they were that right um, you know I didn't think I didn't think much of it yeah and, I, and then I've seen the success that they that they were on you know, like the, the year I signed I believe they won eight games and went to a bowl game our freshman year we won nine games and went, won a bowl game and so I, I wanted so to great. be a part of something special because I, I, I believe and I still believe that UNM can be something special. You know, I had like Oregon and Washington and all that, but they're they're already well established programs. But UNM is on the rise. It was something that I wanted to be a part of, so that's that's really why I came to UNM. No, I totally understand what you mean. Like I, I'm kind of in the job process now, and I'm looking at a lot of programs that are like kind of on the up and up, and like it's like I want to be part of something that I can like be a part of growing, you know, and not necessarily something that's already you know established. So I definitely, yeah. I definitely see what you're, what you mean there. So you're, you're a junior, right? Or you're senior? Junior. Junior. Okay. And you're studying political science still, is that right? Political science. And then I, I actually met with an advisor on 
last week, and I, I, I'm, I'm doing a double major in Native American Studies. Oh, that's so great. That's so great. Yeah. Have you taken some Native American Studies classes? Yeah, I'm almost I'm almost done with both both majors. Wow. It's, it's weird. It's like, you know, usually you'll start off and you'll do all your core classes, and you do your electives, and, th- and, and then you throw in a few major classes here and there. Yeah. When I first got here, I, I don't know why, but my... <laughs> My my academic advisor threw me in all major classes. Yeah. So like for my uh, my freshman sophomore year, I, I was in all major classes. So I'm I'm, I'm 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 like after this semester, I'll be fully finished with my majors. I just got to complete like a few electives. Yeah. Well, you have to do like the freshman and the freshman class. Um. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> that'll be fun. You can you can kind of you can scare the freshman. That's that'll be fun. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> that's so great. I feel like that's probably more common with football players or athletes too. You know, um, yeah. what is the what has the team been like with like you know having? Is it kind of? It always just seems like such a cool family and like a brotherhood. Is that kind of been true with your teammates? Yeah, of course. Um, yeah. Every I mean every every team has that bond. Depending on how strong that bond is, that you know the outcome of the season. And kind of will kind of be reflected from that. Um, you know, for us, we got a we got a new coaching staff. We got a lot of new players in, a lot of young, talented guys. I think we're going to be a really good team, and we have great chemistry, especially within the units, you know, like the defensive line and the offensive line. We're really starting to mold and come together right now, and it's uh, it's looking to be something special. So I'm excited. Yeah, have you taken any of them back to the res yet? I have. Yeah. Well, uh, one of my best friends, he's on the defensive line. His name is Najee Flowers. And uh, last spring, I took him back to South Dakota. And he, got to, he, got to, he got to actually go in a sweat lodge with me. And, you know, we, we, we kind of burnt him out a little bit. Like, yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. He got to come and experience life on the res. And, you know, I, I, always ta- I always showed him stories of the reservation. And he did research himself and seen all the negative statistics seen alcoholism rates, I've seen all the stuff that people like to portray us as in the media. Yeah. And when he got to the reservation, it, you know, it, it struck him that, that we're more than statistics, that we're actual people, history, culture. Yeah. And, and, and we, we take care of each other. No matter, even if we don't have anything, we, we give whatever we have. He's seen how loving we are as a people. And uh, he found love in so, Yeah. Yeah. He what? It was fun to show him that, you know, that's Oh, time. yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's it's such, you know, it's so much stereotypes and mascots and those things that people just don't really see. I'm struggling right now, so I'm a month away from defending my dissertation, and my dissertation is about Native athletes giving back, and, you know, I get keep getting asked, like, why is it different for Natives than other, like like LeBron James, you know? And I try to stress that it's like, it's so inherent in our communities, like the way we're brought up, like, it's not a question of if it's just when, you know, and like, it's such a, it's just so our communities are just so different. And I was wondering, like, how, how do you think, like, what makes it different, like, for you as far as like, when you're giving back? And is it? do you see it as being different from other, like other athletes or other, um, people of color? Um, well, I mean, 
for starters, like like you said, it, it's it's ingrained in us to do that. I mean, going going back even before colonization, that's how we survived. It wasn't it wasn't like giving out giving a treat out to somebody. You know, we it was expected of you to give to give back to the community. And even though times have changed now, that expectation is still there. Not not necessarily from others, but just just within yourself. You know that you know I got to give every, I got to give back to my community because especially for me or you know, other athletes or other other native people in general outside of athletics who are who have been successful in life, we understand that it you know it wasn't just us that that got us to where we're at. It was our people. It was our family. It was yeah. our culture. It was our ancestors. You know that connection we have. And yeah. So it, it's something special to really give back to our communities and um, it's something that even if we don't have anything you know like I said we'll give we'll give whatever we have whether it's you know, making people laugh going out and trying to you know, pick it up trash in the community just making making our home a better place and, and trying to instill pride and and you know, compassion and things like that within our within our people now who are struggling with those things so it's it's a, it's a part of who we are as Native people to give back and to help others. And um, I don't know. I guess that that that's one thing that kind of kind of shocks me sometimes mm-hmm. off the reservation. Yeah. That that individualism that that's within yes. that's within our or within our uh, within our society. Yeah. You know, everybody wants to get their own, and you know, for for us as Native people, that's that's never how we've been. I think part that's part of the reason why we struggle so much as a native as native people. Mm. We still we still hold on to those traditional values or we try to at least. Yeah, we're not capitalist, right? We're we're not. traditionally we're, we're we're you know we're socialists. Mm-hmm. Traditionally. I mean we it worked it worked with us because that that's just the values that we have and within our community now, within our society, very capitalistic so individualist society, it's, that's just not who we are, you know? And so I guess times are changing and we're struggling to change with them. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's kind of, it's weird. Cause like you grow up knowing how you, and you, like you don't think about how you're growing up is different from someone else, you know? And it's not until you leave or like you experience something else that you realize how different it is. And, I really like the metaphor of like the circles, like it's just continuous giving and like, it's not just about giving to the next generation or, you know, the next two generations, but it's also about like what our ancestors gave to us. And it's, it's so much, it, the whole seven generations thing is, it's cheesy, but it's true. You know, it's always, it's always kind of, it's always there. Right. Yeah. And then everything we do in, in our traditional beliefs we, you know, we can't take without, without giving, yeah. you know, we can't, even within our own prayers, you know, the, the sacrifices that we make within our own prayers and in, in life in general, whenever something's given to us, we always got to give back. So, yeah, for sure. I wonder too, I think I, I get asked this a lot is like, do you feel, do you ever feel overwhelmed with like the pressure to kind of you know, not just being an athlete, but being a student and just 
you know, not necessarily giving back, but just, you know, your day to day. Do you ever feel kind of just being native? Like some days, honestly, I'm just like, oh, you know, it's kind of like you kind of just want to turn it off. I feel like sometimes, especially with certain events in DC and stuff like that. Is Do you, do you experience that a lot? How do you deal with that? I do. Um, you know, some days it's easier just to, just to want to blend in, you know, let go of all that and just move forward. That's not really easy for you, huh? <laughs> no, not, especially being 300 pounds and 6'6". Six, six, you know? Yeah. <laughs> not easy. But uh, <laughs> um, really, it can be tough at times. Yeah. But as, as a Native person, as you know, I'm also half black. Yeah. Um, from those societies, those cultures, that the strength from both identities of, of myself, um, resilience strength is within my blood, within my DNA, from my ancestors and those that came before me. And that's something that uh, Native people, we have, we have that strength. When other people, when other people give up, whenever they're beaten down, we we have that extra strength within us that keeps us going. Mm-hmm. And for me, that strength is my family, my people, my ancestors. Yeah. And, you know, I, I want to honor them in a good way and um, you know, I struggle. I struggle sometimes with that pressure, but I, I would rather me do it than, than, than somebody else because I feel like I was putting in, putting in this on this path, this journey to, to do something good for my people to help as many people as I can. Yeah. So, um, but I just gotta. Some days I just push through it, and whenever whenever I'm feeling, you know, when when I feel that you know the weight of the world on me, I I go home and I I, I pull out my pipe, my, my chinupa. And, and I pray. Yeah. And whatever I do, I, I get strength. So. Yeah. 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 That's the good thing. It's like we always have someone there for us. You know, it's like that family is really strong and really um, true. Uh, I And I think you might have said this before when we were talking about like being in class and kind of the expectation to be in like a token native. Have you had any, um, any funny stories of like class experiences and having being in class and having to kind of talk about it? An interesting one that, that just came up. Um, I'm sure you're aware of, you know, the Trump, that Trump, the Trump supporters and those, those kids from Kentucky and and that native elder. Yes, absolutely. Well, we, in one of my political science classes, we were, we were discussing it and put the video up. They played the video and we're all watching it. They stop. Then they stop the video. And the teacher's like, and uh, like, well, you know, we're. I don't know how to feel about this, but uh, Teton, can you stand up and, and give your point of view on what happened? And the whole class just looks at me. Wow. <laughs> no pressure, right? Yeah. <laughs> and mm. you know something interesting that not a lot of people think of, uh, especially when dealing with Native Americans. Is we're not we're not all the same, you know. Exactly. We're a, we're a whole we're a whole people of. Different, I mean, we all have different cultures and different. We all have different different histories, you know, different languages. You know? I think there's like five hundred. I don't know, five hundred and thirty something federally recognized tribes, each with their own heroes and their own their own beliefs, you know. And we're 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 diverse. It's like you look at the continent of Africa. There's, sure, they're all Africans, but they're not all the same people. Exactly. And it's the same thing for us as Native people. You know, you look in Europe, 
sure they're all they're all Europeans, but vastly different cultures and heritage. I mean, not heritage, but different cultures and different uh, different beliefs. And Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Since, you know, Native people nowadays are not really. There's a disconnect between who we were and who we are to a lot of people, and when they think of when they think of natives, they they think of back in the day, mm-hmm. riding horses and things like that. And they see us now, and they're like, "Well, you're not your ancestors." <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, you don't look like that. You don't have a headdress on. Right. Yeah. So I think a lot of people, you know, for me, it kind of frustrates me sometimes when um, people try to paint me out to be the sports person, all native, which, I mean, I love, I love speaking for all native people. Yeah. But I'm not an expert on every native tribe, you, you know, so sometimes it's kind of, I'm like, I can, speak, I can speak on behalf of my tribe, you know, our history, but I, I don't know enough about every other tribe to... To try to be their spokesperson. Exactly. Heroes and heroes, you know, things like that. Yes, 100%. I, I feel that a lot too, and it's like, I don't want to say something wrong, or, you know, I don't want to offend, offend, or just, yeah, I just don't want to have to speak for an entire race of right. people, right? Um, how did that situation play out in class? Did it? And then, and then, and then Eve, oh, wait, I'm sorry, what was it? How did that situation play out in class? <laughs> Um, well, I stood up and I said, well, well, what's your perspective of it? Yeah, right? Yeah. I said, I'll, how about this? I give the native side and you give, you give the other side and then we'll go from there. And then she just kind of, well, uh, no, I think we'll move on. Yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> that was not the greatest decision. It was just so funny how that story played out, how it was... At first, it was like, yeah, I, I, I don't under, I still don't understand how people think, how they believe, like his PR team, like literally, it was just his PR team that like came out with his little defense. I thought that was very interesting. But yeah, and then, so you did mention music. Did you play an instrument or anything? Yeah, I play multiple instruments. Um, all, all self-taught. Right now, wow. I, uh, I play guitar, um, saxophone, piano. I want to learn bass guitar. Yeah. Um, and then I play I play Native American flute too. That's that's so great. That's so great. Yeah. Um, what did you think of the halftime show? Did you watch it? I did. Uh, <laughs> I Let, wasn't a fan. Yeah, as a, as a, I, I like five. I, I really do, but I don't. I don't think it was a very good show. Yeah, that was a part of like my teenage, like very some very formative years, and I like some of the songs. I was like, yeah, but then, I, as a girl from the South too, I was like, you can't not be more Atlanta, you know. Like it should have had more Atlanta influence. But I totally understand that, you know, all the artists that you know the hip hop artists especially were like not wanting to do the you know do the show because of the Kaepernick issue. So I thought that was really interesting. And then I saw today the ratings were down like really bad really really I think the worst in like 10 years which kind of not surprised this was the first year I really didn't watch a lot of professional football to be honest I was yeah I watched a lot more a lot more college now do you watch a lot of college football when you're not like obviously you're playing on the on game days but do you watch other teams or besides from like tape yeah we um I mean usually when we when we play there'll be other teams playing before us 
like we, when, we, when we travel to away games, we'll be at the hotel like the day before we play. We'll, we'll be in our we'll be in our hotel room and we'll, we'll just be watching watching other teams play and things like that. But outside of that, I, I don't I don't watch too much. I, I, I like I play it, but I yeah don't watch as much. Yeah. So, um, so what are you thinking now that like you're seeing the kind of the light at the end of the tunnel? Are you looking at grad school or law school? Yeah, both. Yeah. I'm yeah. Looking for, right now, I, I actually found there's a new uh, program over here in the law school, but it's a master's degree. Mm-hmm. And it's called the Master's of Study in Law. Yeah. And so, um, since I'm on scholarship, I have five five full years of school paid for. But right. I graduate, graduate a little bit early, so I'm I, I'm planning on going to law school, but I don't want to go. I don't think I don't know if they'll allow me to go into law school while I'm playing football. Right. And um, I also want to see if I can you know, get to like a Harvard or something like that. That'd yeah. Be awesome. Yeah, well. you can. You could definitely. But um, so I'm planning on going into a master's program first. At UNM for to get that that paid for that that last year year and a half or whatever paid for, and then after that I'll uh, I plan on going to law school. Yeah, that's awesome. And then seeing yourself going back to Pine Ridge. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that we need to fight for for uh, as indigenous people. Um, I I don't think there's enough native led attorneys that are. There's a lot of native attorneys out there, but they're not. We're not really fighting for the big, you know, civil civil rights, right. constitutional uh, issues, right? right. You know, the treaty and things like that. No, not absolutely. enough of them really out there and lead lead lead, you know, lead us into that battle. And you know, I always tell people, they, you know, natives nowadays we still want to go out and protest, and, you know, fight fight the government in the streets and whatnot. And you know, there's a time and place for things like that, but our, our, our new battlefield now is within the courtroom. That's where we're going to get significant change. Yeah, and really using using their systems, right? Using the law to kind of up uh, up in their own kind of systems themselves. I think that's such a good point. We've got to use the, the tools that they're giving us to to, to fight the, fight those battles. Absolutely, absolutely. Um. So what about as far as food wise? Are you on a pretty strict diet with football? Or are you kind of? I am. I am now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, playing offensive line. I well, I played D line first, but I came. I came into college uh, weighing like two thirty. Yeah. Like and um, I'm sure a lot of people, everybody knows out there college football. Guys are big and guys are strong, and if you don't have the muscle, like the the strength, you got to have the weight. Right. So when I first got here, my biggest thing was for the coaches, for the strength, the strength coaches and all them, they they just want to get me to plain weight. And so you know they they would tell me to go and go and eat McDonald's every day and things like that just to pack on weight so I could play. But now since I've been lifting weights for four years now, I'm a lot bigger and stronger. Most of it's muscle and. Um, now I'm, I'm at the point where I just kind of maintain my weight and I'm trying to cut more body fat down and, and put on more muscle, but stay the same weight. Yeah. So I, uh, I just went out the other day and bought like $140 worth of groceries to start cooking. And yeah. 
and stuff like that. A lot our body, our body is, you know, it's like a race car. Yeah. And, you know, you don't want to put, you put bad fuel into a race car, it's not going to run right. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. A lot of, like, grilled chicken and broccoli and salmon. Yeah. And is there anything from home in particular that you miss? Yeah. Yeah. One thing I realized not being away from home. Uh, you know, native people back in the day a lot of a lot of the stuff we ate was, was soup. And yeah, and it was out of necessity too. <laughs> people make soup over here. So. Yeah, well I could yeah, I could see that definitely in New Mexico. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, I could definitely see that. Well, great. Well, I I definitely, this is the first of many appearances. I'm going to make you like our political correspondent. So I'm going to have you on to talk, talk all our politics stuff so we can do that coming up. Um, but no, I'm really excited. I, and I'm so proud of you and I'm really excited for your senior year and well, hopefully your, you know, fifth year of eligibility. So that'll be really fun. So um, keep doing awesome things. And oh, what about, tell, tell us about the museum. I want everybody to know about that. Yes. So the museum, the museum's awesome right now. Yeah. Uh, we we started the the first uh, native native owned and operated museum within within our sacred Black Hills. Mm-hmm. That's called the Lakota Dream Museum and Monument. Now, yes. The monument hasn't come yet, so we were working on that. But, yeah. um, right now it, it's it's opened up on Main Street in, in Rapid City, South Dakota, and it's it's just beautiful. Yeah. I, I, we don't, we don't take pictures in there because we have a lot of sacred artifacts. So, you know, I wish I could show more people what it looks like inside. But yeah. you got to come in. you got to come in and see for yourself, see how powerful it is. Because it's not it's not an ordinary museum. Right. It's, yeah. You don't just read a few things here and there and look at, look at uh, recreations. Or, you know, it's, not, it's not one of those museums. It's not like super dry, I'm guessing. Right. Yeah. It's it's uh, we t- we tell a lot of we tell the story of us, of our stories from our perspective, and that's one of the biggest things we wanted to do with this museum was portray who we are from our own perspective, from our own people, and our stories and our history. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like so, we have a lot. We have a lot of artifacts within the museum that. You know, not not a lot of people know. Like, you know, you know, you've heard of Crazy Horse before, right? Right. Yeah, of course. Well, we have a lot of sacred artifacts from Crazy Horse, with like his own, and it, it's not like his, uh, it's not like a short shirt that he wore, or moccasins. It's very sacred artifacts. Like the, the it's his own medicines that he used before wow. the battle. Different things like that. We have. Wow. Artifacts from Rain in the Face, one of our famous you know, leaders. Um, we have artifacts from many of our chiefs within there, and uh, we. And it's not just the artifact, but it's the stories that we tell and the way that we tell them. And uh, it's very empowering. We, we bring we bring in a lot of a lot of schools every, every week. Yeah. You know, middle schools, elementary, high school. We bring them in, and the big thing that we wanted to do with the museum was instill more pride within our people to yeah. teach them who they are, where they come from and our ancestors. I feel like whenever they whenever they have that knowledge of who they are and and, and where they come from, it's gonna guide them to where they need to be. Yeah. 
it's a it's it's a power it's a powerful thing to know who you are and to to have that connection to your ancestors. And that's what we that's what we're trying to build within our own people. Yeah, and that's something so many people are searching for. You know, they're searching for identity, and they do like a twenty three and Me and the DNA stuff, and like they're just so desperate to have that. And we're so blessed with it, and well, definitely stem from that. Yeah, of our, there's there's gang issues, and there's um, you know, a lot of the violence and stuff like that. I think really where that all comes from is people lack that identity that that they that they know is there, but they don't know what it is. Yeah, and so they they go out and they look for different things to try to fill that void or to try to find to try to find something where they belong, who they belong with. That's where they get into all these games, yeah, different colors. But they, when when they find out that how powerful their history is and the DNA that they have within their own their very their very blood, their ancestors, the stories, just things like that, they they will they get that sense of identity that sense of understanding and, and uh, that connectedness that, they, that, they, that they're searching for. Yes, 100%. I'm just like, preach, exactly. <laughs> no, um, well, I think that's a, a great, great way to end it. And definitely um, want to have you on, especially make, maybe once you get through like spring training and all that good stuff. But um, if there's everything I can do for you, let me know. And I'll definitely keep you posted on the dissertation stuff. Awesome. Thank, Thank you, you for all your help for everything. It's been I'm so lucky to know you. <laughs> Likewise. Yes. At this rate, the chance will not last And you gotta act fast, pull up the slack Pick up the trash, cause you still got time for one last dance Still got time to have a blast So stash away your hate Work hard to make life great Quit a sit there and wait, quit a sit there and wait Not a piece of cake, but you can create A new life that will never take You out of poverty, it's never too late Life will come to you fast, life will come to you fast Fast, life will come to you fast Life will come to you fast, life will come to you fast Life will come to you fast, life will come to you fast Life will come to you fast, life will come to you fast